0: uncertainty and stress, many of us seek solace in nature. We'll go on more walks, take hikes through forests and mountains, or seek out our favorite lake or beach. But there's something lurking in the shadows there, something mysterious and haunting. What is it about nature that attracts us when we need to escape or need to find peace? Come. Follow me deep into the woods. I'm Vanessa K. Eccles, and this is Fabled. Her fingertips grazed the tops of the wild weeds, clothed with white blossoms that have sprung from the forest floor. There is a treasure here, something whispered within her. For a while now, she'd felt the call of the wood beckoning for her to return. She'd once found herself here, a long time ago, in the prime of her youth. But that felt like a lifetime ago. She'd never imagined coming back. Leaving her life behind for even a short amount of time felt impossible. Until now. What happened two days ago was more than a betrayal. She knew in her bones it was a warning. A gentle breeze brushed her red hair across her face, freeing it from the braid, and her forest green dress wrapped around her legs. For a moment, She was 18 again, standing at the edge of the wild, curious, and frightened. The wood had made her promises, ones it made good on over the years, but now she'd have to pay the high cost. As she stepped deeper into the shadows of the ancient oaks, she wondered what her young daughter would think of her mother walking away from their home, and her husband, he wouldn't wonder. He'd know that his actions pushed her here. His lust sent her wandering. She took a deep breath, the sweet scent of jasmine filling her lungs, and walked deeper and deeper into the dark wood. Forests in folklore are an archetype that symbolize a journey of discovery. This discovery is typically found through the transformation of the mind and the soul. In the hero's journey, the forest is any place the hero is called to that will both challenge and make him. The wood is a place of danger and trials, and mysterious magic, it's one of monsters both real or in the form of great problems. The promise of going into the dark wood, of life, is the promise of coming through stronger, better, and someone altogether, baptismally, reborn. In literature, there have been many examples of the looming fear of facing the forest. After all, they are in the dark, facing the unknown. It's a place of vulnerability. Let's take the story of Hansel and Gretel as an example. Where did they meet the witch? In the woods. And what about Little Red Riding Hood? Where did the wolf appear to her? In the woods. If you'd like to actually hear more about the true monsters of Little Red Riding Hood, be sure to check out my episodes on Little Red Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf. Psychologists believe these tales are more than the literal fear of forests. They are a metaphorical symbol of the deep journey into one's own mind and being. Bruno Bettelheim, in Uses of Enchantment, explains, Since ancient times, the near-impenetrable forest in which we get lost has symbolized the dark, hidden, near-impenetrable world of our unconscious." if we have lost the framework which gave structure to our past life and must now find our way to become ourselves and have entered the wilderness with an as-yet-undeveloped personality, when we succeed in finding our way out, we shall emerge with a much more highly developed humanity. You see, every character in all our great stories must journey into the unknown. But no matter what, nature, forest, the mind, or fate, it's not something that can be wholly conquered. It isn't merely a task or challenge, it's a process that some of us must travel more than once in our lives. Carl Jung described these metaphoric woodlands as, quote, essentially culturally elaborated representations of the content of the deepest recesses of the human psyche. Stepping into the dark, deep forests, we must know that there's no turning back. This is our call to adventure, our inciting incident. In my novel, fabled, my heroine Rowena falls into a dark, mysterious forest from beyond her world. Throughout her journey, she's forced to not only go through the woods, But she also must survive them, conquering trials and evil along the way. It's through these trials she finds herself and her inner strength. There's a quote that I read on my tea last week. Yeah, tea bags speak wisdom sometimes. I really loved it. It said, Nature does not hurry, yet everything is accomplished. This is the case in our stories as well. The forest and its obstacles are not something to be done quickly. It's a slow making, a quiet uncovering of who we are at our core. It's a strength slowly building, and a knowledge softly whispered. Many of us read Nathaniel Hawthorne's Young Goodman Brown in School. In the story, Goodman Brown must go through the forest on an errand, leaving his sweet young wife, Faith, behind. Before he leaves, Faith begs him to stay, but for this to be a story, he, of course, must go. While he's in the woods, he runs into an older man who carries a serpent-shaped staff. Strangely, the old man looked a lot like an older version of Goodman Brown, foreshadowing, perhaps. He also runs into Goody Cloyce, an older woman who taught Brown as a boy at church. While on his journey, Brown sees other townspeople as well, and this perplexes him. He even thinks he hears his wife's voice in the wood. He grows upset at the thought of his pure, innocent wife being in the dark, rebellious forest. He later comes upon a ceremony deep in the dark arms of the forest, where all the townspeople surround a large altar of sorts. Brown and Faith are brought forth to join in on this cult-like ritual. Brown pleads with Faith not to give in to this. And suddenly, the scene is gone, vanished. And Brown wakes up the next morning wondering if it was all just a dream. But the images felt so real to him that his faith is shaken. And the seed of distrust grows when he chooses to believe that his wife and all the good people he once knew were merely wearing masks, hiding their sinful natures. The story ends rather sadly. He reaches the end of his life having become a cynic. When I read the story, I always see Brown's journey as incomplete. Fear kept him from exploring things deeper. Perhaps he was one who needed to revisit the forest, go on another adventure to find who he truly was. I refuse to believe that Brown was meant to be nothing but a bitter cynic. In contrast, J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, has a more hopeful tone. In the book, the hobbits Merry and Pippin are taken captives by orcs, and their friends go looking for them. They have to go to the edge of Fangorn. Aragorn reminds them that, quote, it's perilous to touch the trees of the wood. And he goes on to say, quote, Fangorn holds some secret of its own. What it is, I do not know. There is great fear and anxiety at the thought of entering the forest. The woods, like our own minds, hold secrets, innate truths, memories, and doubts that many would rather leave alone. There is also a feeling that the forest is alive in Tolkien's novels, which gives the reader a deeper sense of urgency. It's a feeling akin to being haunted. And for those of us who haven't heeded the call to our own hero's journey, we know exactly what that feels like. Speaking of the trees feeling alive, the same is true in my novel, Fabled. When Marina finds herself with the very different evil Hansel and Gretel type characters, they tell her about the tree in front of their house. The tree, they explain, is actually the hungry witch. Just because nothing can die in their world, doesn't mean people can't be turned into other things, leaving Rowena with the realization that almost everything is alive. But is there any truth to the idea that plants and trees are living? I mean, we know they are to a certain degree, but are they more like animals than we once thought? And what about all of us who find comfort, not fear, in nature? I'll answer those questions after this brief promo. I'm Tina Haramia. And I'm Hilary Doherty. And we host the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. And let me tell you, there are some weird ones. Girl, did you ever hear that story about how a deputy's wife practiced sex work in her home and a local commissioner got caught up in what? it? What? Well, what about how a gun advocate senator out of California engaged in gun trafficking? I mean, what is he thinking? Hypocrite. (laughs) Capital H. Hey, we cover all that and more from Maladies, Madness, Mischief and Murder in United States Politics. Well, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts and check us out on social media at The Muck Podcast. So we've covered how the deep, dark woods are full of mystery and sometimes fear. But what about the peace it gives to many of us? An article in the Science Daily says that new research has discovered that just 20 minutes in nature will significantly lower your stress hormones. Dr. Mary Carol Hunter, Associate Professor at the University of Michigan, explains, quote, Our study shows that for the greatest payoff in terms of efficiently lowering levels of the stress hormone cortisol, You should spend 20 to 30 minutes sitting or walking in a place that provides you with a sense of nature. In order to get the full effect, one must not read, listen to music or audio, use their phone or internet, or be doing any aerobic exercise. In other words, you must sit or casually walk through nature, communing with nothing but the world around you and your own thoughts. For some, that may be a difficult thing. An article on heart.org says that a stroll in nature has also been shown to reduce negative thinking while boosting your energy, and being outside has been known to restore short-term memory, ramp up creativity, improve problem-solving skills, and help us feel like we're part of something bigger and more significant than ourselves. So why does folklore paint nature as something wild and scary? In olden times, the forest was the end of civilization, structure, and law. In the forest, there are questions and exploration. It was a place that covered the wilderness of our natures. In history, the people who dwelled in the woods were those who were outcasted, women thought to be witches, ex-criminals, healers, artists, and all types of people who didn't fit into the norm of society. The wood is a refuge from institutional thought and control. It's a place where the wild still thrives, and a place that encourages those who are comfortable with their own minds to explore, to deeply seek truths and enlightenment of every kind. In our busy world, many of us like the idea of a walk through the trees, or a short hike down our favorite trail. But to actually make time for them seems difficult, and the idea of not using our phones or the internet and allowing ourselves complete quiet with no distractions can seem boring to some and nearly impossible to others. But folklore and nature implore us to do so, for our own health and future. What if I told you that you wouldn't actually be alone, though? What if I told you that the plants and trees around you are, quote, just very slow animals? That's what Jack C. Schultz, a professor in the Division of Plant Sciences at the University of Missouri in Columbia, says after spending four decades of studying the interactions between plants and insects. An article by BBC explains that plants fight for food, trap prey, and fight for territory, similar to their animal counterparts. Plants like animals are aware of their surroundings. Daniel Shemovitz of Tel Aviv University says, quote, The rootedness of plants, the fact that they are unmoving, means they actually have to be much more aware of their environment than you or I do. For example, the munching vibration of a caterpillar causes plants to flood chemicals to their leaves to deter the attackers, meaning that they actually respond to sound through vibrations. They can also smell in a way. It's been proved that they can smell certain insects coming and are aware of the danger signals their neighboring plants give off in the form of airborne chemicals. They seem to warn each other of looming threats and dangers. Dotter vines, a parasitic vine, sniffs out its host and wiggles toward it to find its prey plants don't sense things like humans of course but they do use photoreceptors to see and i use that in air quotes researchers believe at the university of missouri that they hear using mechanoreceptor proteins that are found in their cells plants respond to the environment by moving even if it's slow They lean towards windows for light, for example. Trees also have a fascinating community. Mother trees feed their saplings and warn of danger. There's scientific evidence that trees live in colonies similar to insects. They form alliances with their neighbors. They are connected underground by fungal networks, sharing nutrients and water, and communicate through these systems. They tell each other about disease, drought, and change their behaviors accordingly, says Peter Wolben, a German forester and author of The Hidden Life of Trees. He explains that saplings wouldn't survive without this network of both their parents and their neighbors pumping sugar into their roots. Trees, like other plants, communicate using pheromones and other signals. The forest is a remarkable place. I can't help but wonder how they respond to humans. Are we friend or foe or both? When I first shared all this research with my husband, his first question was, what does this mean for all the vegetarians and vegans? (laughs) And since we are vegetarians, it was a great question. The researchers I've read about seem to be clear that plants are different than animals, but plant intelligence is much more complicated than we ever knew before. Animals and plants have a great deal in common, despite our clear difference. What's beyond true is that we all, everything, on Earth, are connected. Just as the giant California redwoods that intertwine roots for strength and support, so too does nature act as a source of power for us. It's a silent but ever-present friend to those who enter. So yes, forests are dark and mysterious, like the depths of our minds, but they are also a place of solace and rest, and are there to listen. Nature was created to be a spiritual and soulful friend. This journey of life was never promised to be easy, but it's the trials that make us who we are. It reminds me of a song that's really dear to my heart, where the lyrics say, all nature and science follow the sound of your voice. If creation sings your praises, so will I. Fabled was produced by me, Vanessa K. Eccles, with music by Kevin McLeod and Epidemic Sound. If you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com forward slash Collective. Be sure to say hello on social media at Fable Collective. I pray you and yours are doing well during this difficult time. As always, thank you for listening.